You're listening to the Empathy Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Ferguson, the founder of East 29th, where we're establishing a conscious dialogue that connects both the physical and mental health awareness behind the clean beauty movement, while combining skincare with self-care to build a movement that embodies being softer inside out. This is episode 14, We Are the Emotions That We Keep with Kate Marshall. Kate is a wellness and movement coach with over 13 years in the industry. She's the co-founder and co-owner of Aura Nutrition. Her vision is to connect humans to wellness globally with a holistic hustle approach to movement, nutrition, mental wellness, and self-care. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I know our businesses have kind of aligned I basically since I launched on my end last summer. So I'm so excited to have you here because everything that you are and you're doing totally resonates with me and all of this East 29th Empathy Everywhere. Yes. Oh, I remember when you were just launching within that first month and we got connected and I was just like obsessed with everything that you were doing. And like you said, it's so in alignment with my brand and philosophy. And just, I think we kind of live life um, very similar in terms of like mindset and how we go about our daily being. And I love you and I'm so honored to be on your podcast. So thank you Um, for having me. Thank you. I mean, I think we both at our core go back to, we think that, you know, communication is so important. And I think that when I met you, it just kind of made sense because we could communicate together through words, but also just kind of like a basic energy and understanding that we've had to come really far to get to where we're at today. Yes. Yes. And we didn't have to go into all of those details without understanding that. It was just in the in the way that we lined up our business and the way we, you know, presented ourselves to the world. Yeah, I absolutely I echo that. I agree. I remember we just we met, we sat at the juice truck just in Vancouver and I understood you with my eyes. And I was just <laughs> like also looking into your beautiful eyes. I was like, oh my God, this girl is also just so stunning on top of everything and was just like, yeah, I feel you girl. The energy was there. And um, yeah, it was like communication on so many different levels. I was, yeah, it was a great first meeting. Well, I remember when I reached out, um, it was to Aura. I really put myself and my story and the story of my brand kind of out there as an opener and a line of communication, because I think that that again, communication is so important, but not only was it so well received on your end, I just felt like our communication since then has kind of just flowed. You know, we've got you doing some yoga and breathe work or on East 29th on our Instagram, which I think is really great. And you've been selling East 29th in your store. And I think it just aligns really well. And that's without even going into our personal lives to how we got to, you know, having our brands today. Mm-hmm. I fully agree. Now, when you were creating Aura, nutrition. Was there like a certain emotion that kind of fueled you to want more to do that or to have your own thing? Yeah. I think the emotion, if I can, I guess, put my finger on it would just be service, like wanting to provide more value in what I do. So maybe the emotion of more purpose and not again, just purpose for myself, but you know, purpose for the community and helping others be their best, most healthiest selves through my work. And I guess that feeling that I was contributing to the greater good, which is connecting humans and wellness globally. And specifically with aura is focusing on female wellness. Well, it's so interesting because basically when we create a business or whatever we do, it's the canvas that we have that we can create our art on, you know, so we communicate with the world. So we express ourselves from every little tiny detail that's added up. It is a self-expression, which is so healing, 
you know, and being mindful mm-hmm. in the process. I know that with me and my brand, everything I've ever gone through that was so negative and so painful. It is why I'm so articulate and have attention to detail. And, you know, I'm mindful with myself and with others because I know exactly how it feels to really, truly struggle. And I don't want that for anyone. So when I launched my brand, I wanted to make sure that I knew we had a good product. I had been using it for a while. I had a lot of compliments on my skin, but I had never had the goal of creating a skincare line or launching a podcast. I just knew that I wanted to be remembered for how I made someone feel. And so East 29th and Empathy Everywhere has been such a like intricate part of my life that allows me to express how I feel, but also leave people feeling softer inside out. And that there's no words that describe how that makes me feel today. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to put it into words, but I really love what you said about the suffering and the struggle. You know, I think for the most part, like we don't want to struggle personally, but we go through what we go through and then we learn what we learn. And then like you said, we're like, okay, what can we do with those learnings? and how can we put them to use so others don't have to struggle and suffer on the level we did. And I think struggle and I use the word, this word suffer is a little aggressive in, <laughs> I think, but you know, we all have to go through something to get to the other side of the light. We have to experience the darkness to experience the light, but I don't think it has to be to the degree that a lot of people think it needs to be. You know, I hear a lot of, and especially like, you know, rock bottoms and that's what, where I needed to get to. And it's like, yeah, but how can you don't get to rock bottom and you still thrive? We teach that to you through our learnings because I've hit rock bottom and I have suffered one too many times (laughs) and I'd like to admit. Well, and I think it's interesting because rock bottom, just like our emotions can be different different for everyone. Mm -hmm. So even if someone's rock bottom is just like, it doesn't have to be so severe. You don't have to keep letting yourself fall and fall and fall and fall thinking this isn't rock bottom enough. No, your rock bottom can be almost anything. As long as it wakes you up, as long as it's that tipping point, that pivot where you kind of get it, that can be your rock bottom. And I think the word struggle is interesting because when we look at the word growth or the idea of growth, growth isn't comfortable. So when we're running away constantly from struggle and feeling uncomfortable, we're not allowing ourselves to grow and we can't grow a business or grow ourselves if we aren't welcoming to it. I always Mm -hmm. imagine myself like embracing like a big warm hug, the uncomfortability I feel because I know that it's about to shatter and I know it's about to actually turn into something great. I wrote a little piece and I remember writing about when flowers bloom, they fall apart, you know, to get to that beautiful flower that we all admire, it falls apart. So how come when we're growing and quote unquote falling apart, no one looks at it as a beautiful process. It's always a negative or, you know, a burden to someone or something we just want to ignore or not talk about. I think if we always looked at humans, like we were part of nature, we would really admire our journey. But because we're human and we have negative thoughts and we have doubt and we have all these critics in our minds or elsewhere, we tend to run away from it or pretend it's not there. So when I think about sharing my struggles, I think about even if it doesn't prevent someone from struggling, it can help them feel like they're okay. Like it's, they're not Mm -hmm. alone. And I think not feeling alone has been the fuel for me personally, because I don't want someone out there to have gone through what I went through. And if they already have, I can't change that. But what I can do is I can make them feel like they're part of a community or part of a greater whole, which at the end of the day, I think that it does a lot for someone mentally and emotionally. Yeah. It's just, it, it offers almost like a space to belong. 
and a space to just know, well, like I'm okay. And I think when, you know, you look at someone like yourself who, you know, you've gone through so much to get to where you are today and that allows people, your sharing of your struggle allows people to say like, oh, like I can do it too. It's just like this. It's like the permission to keep going, the permission to know you're going to be okay, just because you can see that mirrored in someone else. There's so much dialogue out there of, you know, that is telling someone that they can't or showing someone that they can't. And I think even just the simplest things, like when I started this, I thought it would help maybe a young teen mom, but I've had so many people reach out to me just simply due to me admitting I don't have a grade 12 diploma and look what I've created. And they're like, how that doesn't make sense. I can't do anything because I don't have a grade 12 diploma either. I'm like, why is that grade 12 diploma stopping you from something today? Like, yes, mm-hmm. maybe it's ideal to have. And it's a struggle because obviously I have a son who I want him to have the best situation. But at the end of the day, a piece of paper that says you pass grade 12 shouldn't stop you from living. Yeah your life. And I think that one I never realized would come forward. And when I've talked about um, being sexually assaulted, it was about more so the second part where I was sexually assaulted by a long-term partner. That one really got a lot of attention because people are told like, no, like we're dating this. This isn't sexual assault. We're married. This isn't sexual assault. You're my wife. Like, no, it if you say no and you're not consenting to it, it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that mentality and that like sense of ownership that they have almost on you has really had a lot of people reach out to me, which I didn't expect. So it's kind of interesting how the areas I just glazed over and didn't think about are the reasons that a lot of people are communicating with me when my intention was to bring attention to two other areas. You know, what I went through when I was a teenager, but also what it's like to be a teenage mom, which is still to stay a struggle a struggle yeah. as he is a teenager and I'm now the mom of a teenager so that yeah. pivot from teen mom to mom of a teenager and I'm not even 30 it, <laughs> there's been a lot that has gone on over yeah. the years and it's going to continue it's definitely not ideal sometimes but I think owning it at the same time as I don't talk about what he actually goes through or anything like that on anything social media wise or anything, because I, I want to be mindful as well, um, that this is his life as much as, as it is mine. So I keep that out. I don't want to put his stuff out there, but there's a lot that goes on. And maybe one day when he's older and he's cool with it, we'll talk about it. But until then I will talk about my point of view on some struggles, but not in that, on that level. And I think that's fine too. People can talk about their sides without hurting someone else. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to always make sure we're working on ourselves, but don't be too selfish where we don't think about the other people that are also affected by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, wow, there was a lot there. And I think like, you know, for those people listening and thinking like, you know, how, you know, like you said, I didn't, the grade 12 diploma, like who cares? And I kind of, I did graduate from high school, but I don't have much else beyond that. I get asked all the time, you know, where I went to business school and where I have my MBA from and all these things. And when I get asked to write um, bios. I don't have the letters. I don't have the graduated from this or that yet. Here I am having, this is my third business that I'm in now. And I also hold a high level director role at a very, very prestigious club. I'm 33 and I have, you know, men in their sixties come and say, well, where did you graduate school when they come to my office? 
where, where, again, where'd you get your MBA from? How do you have this position? And I'm like, there is so much behind like just the life of education, the school of life, the school of the hard knocks, whatever you want to call it. But like, I just look at you with so much respect because again, I, all that stuff doesn't matter, right? Like those the designations that like the experience is where it comes from. And I think we need to normalize that. We need to stop asking people like about their education and about, you know, their background as though that make them seem like something they are more or less if that makes sense. Like none of that really matters. It's like that person now and, and the empathy towards themselves and others. And I know we, you and I talk a lot about like mindset and kindness and wellness, and there's so much more to people than like that piece of paper. Right. And it's these experiences that create who we are, shape who we are. And at the end of the day, it's all about impacting others. So what have you done in your life? That's led you to a place where you can positively impact others and thrive yourself along the way. Like don't burn out, you know, like pull yourself out of those rock bottoms and just thrive and then emanate that light and that everything to everyone around you. And like, that's to me, what really matters. So when people ask me about like business plans, I'm like, Oh, can you, (laughs) do a SWOT analysis for me. I'm like, let's talk about how Kate Marshall does those types of things. It's very (laughs) unconventional. (laughs) Well, and it's so true because I feel like, you know, imposter syndrome is already such a large part of so many lives. And I think it goes unnoticed. And then you have someone telling you like, how can you have this position when you don't have Mm -hmm. the, you know, schooling for it? And it's like, well, why is that the be all and end all? Like, why can't we understand humans, human connection and what, you know, problem solving. Problem solving is such a large part of life when we look at ourselves or our business and we see something we don't like or we feel like something is wrong instead of running away from it we are very hypersensitive to finding it so we can find the solution we can do something 27 times get it wrong and if we just keep ignoring it and thinking that's fine it'll it's fine we're never going to evolve from that point but i think with people like you and i we'll go through something once or twice and we'll be like "Ooh, that really didn't work and so we really work within not just externally we don't just look at what's around us but we think about what is going on inside that we can shift or work on that can maybe have a different outcome and we might solve it by the third time and then we move on to the next thing. And I think that's such a massive part of the creativity behind, for me, East 29th. You know, I'm always kind of self-checking in, self-regulating, going through what I'm going through. How am I adapting? Instead of just blaming it on others or looking at everyone around me, how can I problem solve to the best of my ability for the best ability of my brand, you know, those around the brand and myself plus my personal life. And I think that constant checking in is what's really kept me kind of where I am today instead of just letting things kind of slide. Cause yeah, I don't want to do a SWOT analysis. Yeah. I mean, I did one. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. I don't have, you know, my, my family comes from like an income tax background. Okay. You can't, no, 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 that's not for me. I'm not ready to go do like the business side where it's, you know, banking and numbers. I have found people who can help me while they uplift my, you know, positives. Yeah. Yeah. Someone important said to me, they're like, this is your strength. So we really want you to focus on this. This is my strength. So let me focus on this. And I was like, oh, okay. Everyone's doing what they're strong at. Great. Perfect. And you know, it's about also admitting what you're not the best at. You can't be great at everything. Totally. Yeah. It's honestly, you can apply this to 
anything in your life, but focus on the top three to five things that you're incredible at and just do those things and hire out or ask for help or do what you need with all of the other minute things in your life to create more space and freedom for yourself. We talk about like, you know, a lot of people talk about this chase for balance, right? Balance, balance, balance in life. And if we consistently try to do all of the things, especially those things where we bump up against a feeling of resistance because they aren't in our zone of genius, or we don't actually like them, you're never going to find that balance. Like it's just always going to feel like a struggle. Like, and there's so many things I can really relate this to, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, cooking, whether it's cleaning, like there's so many things daily that, you know, we can ask for help with, or just kind of like shift the way we approach it to feel more in balance and to feel like we're actually doing something that we like, if that makes sense. It makes such a big difference for our mental health. It does. It really, really, really does. And I think along the way, no matter what, I just want to come back to the word of, you know, what I love, this is called empathy everywhere, but I just want to let leave this right now is that whatever it is, just approach it with compassion and kindness for yourself. And, you know, if it's something that you have done 27 times and it's still not working, maybe Maybe this is the kind of like sign you need to step back and say, okay, you know, thank you, Kate, for being so relentless in your pursuit of X, Y, Z. Like again, kindness, compassion, not like, Kate, you've done this 27 times. Why can't you figure it out? You silly girl, like come at it from, okay, I've learned this. Thank you. I'm tenacious. I'm resilient. Like all of the positive mindset words that build your like fighter character, thank them and say, now I need to soften into the lesson. And, you know, I don't want to do this the 28th time. And I think you touched on you and I have kind of learned to speed up that process because there has been things in my life where I've done 20, 30 times and they just don't work, but I keep doing them and I don't change my approach. But I mean, that was an older past version of self, but now I know that those doing something more than two or three times is just insanity to me. Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the same result. And I taught myself that lesson very early on in my twenties. And it was like, nope, when things don't work one or two or three ways, approach it with compassion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this lesson. How can we do this differently? Because I don't want to waste my own time anymore. Yeah. And I think again, and I think the biggest part of that is your mindset around it is not approaching it. Like you are less than, or you don't have the intelligence level, or you're not smart enough, or you can't, but you can. And then it's all a lesson and it all revolves around your internal dialogue, your mindset. And that's where I think all success it's seated within your own mind. Definitely. I mean, I always say to my son and it's because it's something I say to myself, what's the point of a lesson if I'm not going to learn from it, you know? So I will always take myself and put myself as a fly in the wall. And I look at Victoria as she is not me. And I treat her and I act and think that in a way that I would with someone I loved and cared for, even if I'm really disappointed, I'm really upset. Like I always make sure I stop. I check myself. I look, I go, that's a human being, whether it's me or not. And they deserve kindness and compassion. And I will even start to list out the things. Okay. I did this. Well, I really like this. I've learned this from it, but maybe this part wasn't the best. And I'm always trying to dissect, like, how can I put my next step forward in a better tone than the way that I did 
you know, a moment ago. And it's all about that kindness and connection. And I've really had to, I think the biggest mentality shift for me was understanding that EQ is just as important as IQ, even though we heighten IQ all the time from the moment we're born, you know, for the rest of our life. But EQ is emotional intelligence. It's never really spoken about. And in my household, emotional intelligence is like, it's the thing you want it, you need it. And if you don't have it naturally, we're going to work on it. You know, we'll look at every moment, we'll dissect here and there and understand where can our emotional intelligence grow? Because it doesn't just end with ourselves. We need to make sure that the decisions that we're making, whether it's pre, during or post COVID, whether we're together or we're apart or we're, you know, like it has to be with the mindset of like, to be able to have an identity of self, we have to be part of a collective whole. So to care about myself, I have to equally care about everyone else around me. And that doesn't mean, you know, people who are awful to me that I'm going to go above and beyond and, you know, break myself for them, but I will always keep in mind that they are human and I'm going to give them as much respect as I would give myself because that's just how I operate. I understand that not everyone is going to be that way, but it's the only way that I can kind of wake up every single day is if I output what I want to bring back in. And it goes back to when we're children and we're told treat others how you want to be treated. It's so true. Mm -hmm. It really, truly is. And I know that for me, it was about shifting the dial. I mean, I've said a lot of terrible things to myself over the years. You know, I, looking back, realized that I had postpartum depression and statistically it is the highest in mums from, I think, 15 to 27, 28, we have the highest percentage of having postpartum, but it goes undetected. And I had no idea. I have always described that period of my life as feeling like I was con- like constantly drowning. And the only part of my body that was out of the water was my the top of my head and it was up in flames. And I thought that was just what life was. I thought that struggle, that emotional imbalance, that pain, that suffering. And I say suffering because truly I felt like I was underwater or on fire. And that mindset was like, well, this is just hard because I'm a young mom and that's okay. I just have to deal with it. And I went, honestly, it was until during COVID that I realized, no, I didn't have it the whole time, but it was until I realized and started really looking back because when I came out with East 29th and Empathy Everywhere, I had to really look within. There's areas of my life that I blacked out, that I've put in a box, that I've hidden, that I've ignored because they're so painful. And I had to make sure I went through all of it all over again, even though I've talked about it with strangers who ask random questions or friends or whomever, I had to really start the brand on a new note. And so I went through everything. And there was a week where I cried every day, all day, just going through old emotions and old pain. And not because I wished it was different, but because the older version of me was looking back with such compassion for that person who ended up being me and just really feeling bad that I gave them a really hard time and spoke negatively about them all those years. And it was almost like an act of self-forgiveness and acceptance and learning how to be softer on myself because I talk about it with others and I'm great at that. But at the end of the day, I also need to check myself. And there was a point where I was working full-time on a, on a TV show. I was going to two online classes. So because I don't have a grade 12 diploma, I had to write an essay to be accepted into an online school. I ended up getting my marketing management and my financial accounting because I understood those were my downfalls. And 
I ended up passing, I ended up finishing up that show and then COVID hit and I put all my money that I'd saved into this brand. And I was like, well, I have no choice. I'm just going to do it. Like regardless of what's going on, I'm just going to put my heart and soul into this. So I had to actually go through my heart and soul to be able to put my heart and soul into the brand. And it was the best thing I ever did because I learned to love myself from the younger point of view, from the growing a little bit older point of view. And from where I stand at that point of that today, where I was in the last year, I've really looked at myself and my son and understood because he's the age, the year before I was pregnant, I have so much compassion again for what I went through because I'm now looking at my last point of reference without having a child and motherhood changes you so much. And I don't have a reference before 14 years old of what it's like to be a human. So I had to remind myself over the last year that I am a human. And it was like this massive shift where I was at home crying, but no one else knew that because it was just my own journey. But it's allowed me to really implement East 29th to be such a forgiving, self-forgiving, self-loving. And, you know, we're driven by purpose and empathy, not by sales or, you know, having a million cool products. It's just about coming, you know, coming back home to yourself. Yeah, there's so much there. And like <laughs> one part that I really resonated with is just like the permission to just like, like let the emotions come back and cry when you need to, because I also think previously to the era we're in now, it was like, don't, you know, suppress your emotions and don't, don't be emotional. Don't cry, you know, especially for, for males. This is still something that I know so many men um, are faced with and struggling with. But one thing that I can say is when I finally, I remember like, I didn't cry for like four years because I was just so wound up in making money and building business. And I had so much on the go that I just thought like I didn't have time to cry. Even when things got tough, I was like, nope, nope, Kate, like bury that real deep inside you. Cause you don't have time for that right now. And it wasn't until I reached my, you know, my insane love level of burnout and just full on mental, physical, emotional exhaustion. Like I was underslept. I was so underweight. I was like, so stressed. My entire hormonal system was just shut down. And I was just like a shell of a human. No one knew though, which was also crazy because people were just like, you know, you, oh my God, how do you do all of this? And I, on the inside, I was like, I sacrifice my soul and every part of my body. That's what I do. But I'd be like, oh yeah, no, it's all good. But then when I came out the other side of that, I needed to spend time crying. Like I needed to spend time in the emotions and speaking to my younger self and forgiving her for not listening to herself for the past like five or six years. And I remember when the first few times, like I actually cried again. And I actually really remember that at first day. And I was like, am I crying? And then it was like, I don't want to stop this. I need to like, let it come out. And I cried a lot for a very long time. And I cried a lot for a very long time and, until I went on antidepressants because I, it was a little bit too much, um, but I needed to get through a point in my life where um, my doctor recommended that I needed some support. Although for me, it wasn't the proper route. Um, I personally need to get off those as quick as I can. So I made some serious lifestyle changes, uh, sold one of my businesses, quit my job, quit alcohol, like did all the things that I knew were adding to my 
stress and depression. And in order to get myself to a place where I could actually sustain life day to day. So I took some pretty drastic measures, but I am so thankful that I had the the mindset and the resiliency to actually take those steps because they were freaking scary. Like I literally sold the business because I, my endocrine system was shut down. And because I was on antidepressants, I was like, I can't do this. Like what's more important to me right now, money or my health. And I think that's, especially when it comes to like business and entrepreneurs, that's a, a big question you always have to ask yourself because we sacrifice our health to make the money and then we have to spend the money to get our health back. And it's insane. And so I went through that in a pretty bad way. And again, my point of sharing this is, you know, when the emotions come, let them come because there's so much wisdom in the emotion, whether you even recognize it in the moment or you don't, you have to let it come and then talk to your younger self. Even if that younger self, I remember I sat on my bathroom floor, door shut, lights off. So pitch black crying. And it was like, just me and six-year-old Kate. And it was like, what was six-year-old Kate telling me in this moment? And I had, and that, oh my God, I've actually just got full body chills. Cause I remember that moment and I was crying so hard. And I was literally having this conversation with a younger version of myself. And it was so healing and talk about feeling alone. Like in that, even though it was just me, myself, and I, I felt like my, I was there with myself and it was so supportive. And that was so healing for me. I, I just, I have to just reiterate that, that letting the emotions come and then talking to that younger self and, and, and supporting from within and learning the lessons, like what would that person tell you? And what would you tell a person in your same situation? Right? Like you said, what would, how would you speak to someone if they're experiencing what you're experiencing? You wouldn't talk to them with negative emotions and like, just figure it out, just suck it up. Like, come on, you know, you'd speak, you talk them through it. You'd be there to love and support them. Empathy, compassion, passion, emotion, that emotional intelligence. And we need to consistently show up for ourselves with that same level of love and care, like hands down. Definitely. I mean, it's so interesting when, again, when I think about like water, I look at nature again, we love the beach. We love the ocean. We really, we love going to the pool. Like we love water. But when it comes to crying, it's like, for me, a tear is the most courageous form of water, but we really shy away from it. For some reason, again, we're, we're less forgiving with nature than we are with ourselves. And I always try and come back to that. You know, would I think negatively about this ocean that I'm looking at? No. So why is it wrong or bad for me to cry? It's not. And I've had to continually like bring nature into my mindset. And I don't know how else to put it other than that, but I always think about that. Like, why are we so, and thinking about like other people judging us too, you know, when we, a lot of people don't talk about their emotions or don't talk about like the story that you went through, but why? Well, because we fear like, what are people going to think when they know that I struggled? And especially for you, you must've had a lot of, you know, when you're deciding, do I sell the business? Cause then maybe people will think, you know, I'm not doing as well as I did, but you know, you need to do it for you. And I think that question of like, what do people think is such a strong question in a lot of people's minds. I know it is in mine. I thought people were going to judge me and my son just from existing that I just didn't talk about it for the longest time. And then finally, one day I was like, wait a minute, who cares what they think? 
Who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of my businesses was a yoga and fitness studio. And honestly, I felt that like, I guess it's like a little bit of a different emotion, but it's like the same. It's the imposter syndrome. Like the, what will people think of me? Right. That I've been, you know, I've been saying or acting as if I'm this successful business owner and that's still all true. And there's more to that side of the story. And I thought the same thing, you know, I just, I remember when I was selling my business to the two partners, I wasn't truthful in my why, because I was afraid of what they might think of me because the revenue was pouring in. The numbers were great. The clientele was, you know, the memberships were flourishing and people just couldn't understand why I was selling the business. And I just had to say, oh, you know, it's, you know, I just, I'm kind of taking a shift and, you know, I just danced around the why. And then I got to a point where I was like, like they were like, something's up here. Like they thought that like, I was, I was fudging the numbers or that, you know, like something. And I was like, okay, you know what, in order to really resonate with these people and in order for them to trust me, I need to tell them the full story. And right. I was like, so here we go, guy and girl. Um, well, what first started happening is my period stopped. It's been five and a half years. I've never cycled since. Um, I'm depressed. I'm on medication. I have, tr- um, I now have developed some sort of effed up eating disorder because it's the only thing I control in my life. I'm underweight. I haven't had a boyfriend in five years. Um, and, like, and I was like, I had to tell them everything. And then they were like, you know, wide eyed, but like, okay, like we get it. Right. And like in order to earn the trust of them, I had to get real. And so, you know, like for those listening, like where in your life, can you maybe go deeper in a relationship with someone or earn the trust of someone or connect with someone more just by telling your story. And that's exactly what you're doing here, Victoria. Like you talk your story on every, you know, you reference it on every podcast and so much of your messaging. And and that's why you're here. You're, you're resonating with people. You're connecting with people. Cause if you were to just say like, like your life is all sunshine and rainbows by my skincare line. That doesn't really have a lot of leg to stand on. But when you really get into what East 29th is and how you founded it and the conversations you had through the movie industry and talking about your passions with your clients and, you know, all of the things and, you know, how this podcast was born, like that's where people are like, ah, so when it comes back to that connection, that connection piece, you and I have been speaking about, like getting real is so, so, so important. And it is scary AF. Like I'm not sitting here like, oh my God. Yeah. Just tell everyone your story. Oh my God. It took me years to tell her my story. I remember doing my first keynote where it was with a group of women and it was all about my story. And oh my God, it, I had to go do so many dry runs. I had to like, I had to actually develop a mantra for my keynote, for my telling my own story. And my mantra was on the other side of my story is healing for all. And so I had to put myself on the other side of telling that story. And I just came back to that mantra, Kate, what is on the other side of this presentation? It's 45 minutes. What's on the other side of it? Because I was so like fearful about what they were going to think, but I kept coming to the greater purpose. And that was again, my internal mantra that was like, Kate, by sharing this, you're going to connect with so many, and you're going to give permission to heal for those that might be in your same position. And so that was like my mantra at that point in life. And I still do that. Actually, anything that feels scary in my life, I visualize what's on the other side of it. And that's where my mantra goes to Kate on the other side of X, Y, Z situation is this 
positive result or positive energy or whatever. And that, oh my God, that's been such a a game changer for me too, just to, to get over my own insecurities. It's so rewarding. You made a lot of really great points. And I think one that really stood out for me is what you just said is, you know, for me, my whole thing has been what's the point of me learning a lesson and not explaining and sharing with others that aren't going to have, it's not an opportunity, but the opportunity to learn the exact same thing. Not everyone is going to become a mom at 15 after being pregnant at 14. So instead of making sure that they go through it to learn it, I'm going to just help people understand, you know, a larger part of life just by talking about my story so they can gain some perspective and, you know, learn empathy through just understanding and observing, right? For me, it was really important to put myself out there so that others can also learn from what I went through instead of only learning from their little, whatever their trajectory and or traumas have been through their lives. I think it's really important to share other notes so people can gain perspective so we can have a bigger picture at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said about, you know, not having, not menstruating for five years, that's more common than you think, because for me, I've gone through some issues and I started talking about it. And everyone I talked to say, I talked to 10 girls, nine of them had the same thing, but no yeah. one talks about it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I know that when I launched last year when I launched um, East 29th, I went through a period of not having my period for two months. And that was very interesting for me because I'm the kind of person who feels my cramps and feels my ovulation every month so strongly. Mm -hmm. And I looked back and I thought, huh, I didn't feel my ovulation and I didn't feel, and I'm obviously not feeling cramp. And I counted and it had been 48 days and I'm like, wow, like, and then I ended up getting my period, but I was like 48 days with no cycle. That's not quote unquote normal right and then I fast forward to literally right now as I'm doing two more products uh 48 days later I got my period and I had really had to and I sat down with myself yesterday and I thought what what is going on what is the common connection I'm like oh obviously it's stress related obviously I'm pushing myself to some point where I'm not checking in with myself and I'm not more in tune with my body because I've been so hyper focused on these new products and it's the exact same time of the exact same product and I'm at the exact same point where I was with launching the vital serum so as of yesterday I really had to sit down and kind of walk myself through my last year alone just for my menstrual health And now I'm like, okay, how can I implement what I've learned about these two times to ensure it doesn't continue on moving forward? And what is that shift? What is that different? I also lost feeling in part of my body because for some reason I was so stressed. I carried it in my spine and in my tailbone and I pinched a nerve and lost feeling in my fingertips and my foot. And my osteopath was like, so you're carrying a lot of stress. Mm, I don't know if you're stressed right now, but it it appears you are. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Literally launched yesterday. So yeah, I'm carrying that. And you know, I've had to be really mindful of not just how I feel, but my body, but it goes back to the title of this podcast. We are the emotions that we keep. If I'm not in tune with my stress, I'm not in tune with sadness or whatever. I'm becoming a home to that. And my body will react and change based upon what I'm allowing to live rent-free inside my mind or my body. So Mm -hmm. when I talk about like the emotions that we keep, I don't talk about like not having emotions. I mean, going processing through them and letting them go through me. You know, my body is an acquaintance to these emotions. It's not a friend. It's not a home just merely an acquaintance and we will deal with it as it comes and we let it go. And you have to kind of have that to clean space for good, positive emotions that come following. I think it's important to filter through all of them, 
we need them all. We don't need to love them all, but we need to have respect for them all because there is no duality in emotion if the one doesn't exist. We can't be happy if we don't know what it feels like to be sad. So there is a celebration to have the complementary emotion. Yeah. But we don't need to become their forever home. And I think that's something that I had to learn. It took me 28 years. I'm very glad I learned it, but it's something that we don't talk about in school. We don't talk about in the workplace. I don't think we talk about that anywhere that I've been personally. It's kind of been like, shut up and get on with it. And that's mm-hmm. not the mentality that I need to thrive. No. Yeah. You're, and um, that's definitely a practice as well that I've implemented in my life too, is, you know, gratitude for the, what we like, I'm air quoting here. I know you can't say, but what we call the negative emotions, like we've obviously put labels on these emotions and they're not good. They're not bad. They're not negative. They're not positive. They just are, but let's just say like the negative ones are ones that we perceive negative. If you can adopt a level of gratitude and compassion and understanding for that emotion becomes like really easy. In my opinion, it turns the struggle of that emotion into learning and experience. And those I think are the little micro shifts in language and mindset that make massive macro impacts, right? Like if you can look at something bad happening and, and, and granted it's, I don't think it's about trying to turn that bad into good. It's not about trying to change what's actually happening, but it's about how you perceive what's happened and how you internalize. Yeah. The, the energy behind it, the emotion behind it, because that lives in yourselves. And so, you know, if you can harness the power of your own mind to experience that in a different way, whatever that means for you, again, those micro little micro shifts, the micro evolutions of your mind are macro evolutions of self. And that's like, I've had to practice that for years and years and years and years and years, but it's all I do now. People are like, oh, you're, you're never sad. Or like you're, you're never in a low. And it's like, no, it's not that I'm not, I, I don't experience those emotions. It's just, I've decided that they mean something different to me. Mm-hmm. I've just made a different decision. I've picked a different reality for myself in the moment and it's really working well for me. And so I'm going to keep doing what's working well for me. And again, I've recognized that you don't need to continuously struggle to continuously win. You just need to learn quick and recognize the the struggle and how many times have you been there? And like you're saying, you're, you've experienced with your cycle now the second time. So you're not going to go about doing it a third time, right? Like we learn it once. Yep. We experience it twice yet, but the third time, like let's shift that, let's change that. And then again, yeah. Like for sharing days, like I was 1,723 days without a cycle. And there's me not learning my lesson 1,723 (laughs) days in a row, you know, but let me tell you now I've, I learned that lesson and actually kind of like slipped back into a non-cycle for the last like two or three months. And I like course corrected it immediately. I was like, yeah, I could keep going on like this, but no, I know what I need to do. I know how to do it. It was like crazy putting my mind to what I need to do for one week. And I got my period one week, actually it was three days after I finally was like, okay, we need to sort this out. And um, then it was just three days later. It was insane. Bodies are so freaking intelligent. I'm obsessed. They sure are. I mean, and going back to the dialogue, I think that everything you said is so spot on because I remember when you feel nervous, you, it's the 
same feeling of being excited, but it's a different dialogue in your mind. And it goes back to even just simply me working, you know, with an actor I was excited to work with. And I remember being like, how do I show up and like act like a human and do their makeup when there's someone that I've loved for a long time? Well, you're not nervous, you're excited. And that really helped me with my job leading up to before he's 29th. I take that with me everywhere. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful I learned that lesson on how to be like, okay, well, this is how I feel. Is it though? It is, but let's change how I'm thinking about it and talking about it. Because the more I tell myself I'm nervous, I'm going to get really nervous. But if I keep saying I'm excited, I'm excited. I have a really great time. Well, sure. I might feel nervous, but in my mind, I'm really excited. And that was the biggest takeaway from my film career, which I think is really important. And Mm -hmm. I think that will set the tone for a lot of decisions that I make in my life moving forward. So I'm very thankful for that. And that lesson was vital. It was a vital lesson that I needed to learn. And when it came to this last period of mine, I now know going into another product launch, I need to be more mindful and I will not forget it. After seeing it repeat twice and connecting the two, I will never let this happen a third time. I'm not going to say it'll be perfect menstrually, but I'm definitely going to be more mindful and aware and not let it get to the point of 48 days, which is a a long time. It's not as long as over a thousand. I'm very very glad you figured that out, but that's what we need sometimes, right? We need just that. We need something, something to be thrown in our direction and we have to be like, have the wherewithal to catch it and be like, oh, okay, this is why I'm catching this. Mm -hmm. All right. And then take what we need from it and Mm -hmm. move forward. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I mean, it's so true. And I mean, I like almost just feel silly even saying the number of days that it took me to like actually sort it out, but I was in my vortex. Like I was in the story and I was, again, it it takes sometimes the decision to change is immediate, but the change takes time. So my decision to sell my business was like, that was an immediate, I was like, I know what I need to do. It took me 14 months. So, you know, with lawyers and deals falling through and this and that. So it took a while. And I think that's the other part that we need to understand is that it's, I think we think that we make the decision and the change follows immediately, but that is one of the reasons why it took me so long to get my body back into this equilibrium, because it takes long enough to decide. Then once you decide what's your action plan. And then I think what happens is when we think that decision and change happen in the same exact time, then we get frustrated when we don't see the results of the decision because the actions for the change haven't been implemented, then the frustration leads to reverting into old habits and negative mindset and all of those things. So I think that's like a really, really important thing for people to understand is no matter where you are in life right now, if there's something you want to change, decide, but know that that decision and the change don't happen at the same time. And that's like the time between the decision and the change. That's where the mindset work needs to come in. Mm-hmm. That's where you need to shower yourself in so much freaking compassion and empathy and love and kindness and every mantra you can throw at yourself that surrounds you in that energy. Like that's where that work needs to really happen. And for me, like I developed more mantras and when I would go on runs, like I'm a runner and I would run and I would, my mantra, like I would have one, one, or maybe sometimes three mantras, but every step was like, I am healed. I am well, I am whole, I am love. Like I would literally run and I would recite that mantra for 10 kilometers long. And then sometimes my mind would wander and I'd forget that I was actually saying the mantra. And then I just come back to it. I wouldn't be like, you idiot. You're supposed to How be saying the whole time. I'd be like, oh yeah, 
looked at that tree. And then I started thinking about what I'm going to eat later. And then, oh no, okay, my mantra. But the point is that's not the point, right? It's not about perfection. It's about progress. And, you know, for me, then it became like, I can put a sticky note on the dashboard of my car, how I drive for an hour and a half a day. So why don't I utilize that time to listen to like healing meditative music and to visually see my mantra? You know, there's so many little things that again, for me was that I had to do day in, day out. And again, it was like, okay, Kate, what's on the other side of all of this work, right? What's that end goal? What's, and that vision was really what was like, okay, you're going to get there. And, and I thought so many times I'm never going to get my cycle back, which means I'm never, I'm in early menopause, which means I'm never going to be like able to have a family, which means, and I got into those stories way too often that I'd like to think, but then I had to do what exactly what we're saying. I was like, just stop, stop with the story. Like you're, you're done, you're done. And now you need to switch that story to a different story. And I just rewrote it in a moment, but it was, I had to become aware, but then I rewrote it. And then it was a different story. And I just rechose my reality. Mm-hmm. I rechose the reality now and for the reality of future Kate. And I often talk to future Kate. I'm like, what would future Kate do? I'll be like, Hey girl, like, what do you think about this? <laughs> We're investing might, in ourselves, right? Like, Hey, at the end of the day, it's just you, you, and you, you, yourself and I, whatever. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. you've got to become best friends with that person that you're married to all your entire life, which is yourself. Well, that's just it. We need to really honor ourselves at the same time as to how much we care for others. And I think it's really, really important. And to understand that the journey is not going to be really fast. We do have to end this topic today now, but we will have Kate back for another episode where we talk about the nine to five pivot, which I think is really important and how to be mindful in business. And I'm so thankful that you're here today. Everything you said had such value and I loved chatting with you and I can't wait to chat with you again. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. We deeply appreciate you tuning in to the Empathy Everywhere podcast. If you'd like to connect further, you can find us at Empathy Everywhere or East 29th on social media, or you can check us out on www.east29th.com. 